0: One of the greatest gifts I've ever been given was a month-long backpacking trip to the High Uintas Wilderness Area of Utah. This was a college program my grandpa paid for as a graduation from high school gift. I went with about 40 other college students and adults. We were divided into small units of five with two tarps between us. Two pods made a unit and two units made a group. Two groups started at the southern edge of the wilderness area and two started at the northern edge. And two weeks in, we all met in the middle, For a big rendezvous resupply party, my little pod consisted of Rolf, Brandy, Margaret, Eric, and myself. For one week, we traveled as a unit, two pods and two leaders and an assistant, learning how to use a compass and topographical maps, figuring out how to keep our water clean and eat and cook out of supplies we carried on our back, how to read the weather, and how to proceed safely. After several days of training, our small pod groups were going to divvy up, fly on our own as it was, and manage the wilderness, the mountains, the food, and relationships all on our own. We, my friends, were striking out on our own, flying the nest, so to speak, spreading our wings and proving our independence and wilderness acumen. The morning we were to strike out, our little team headed off up the trail with confident determination. After a few short minutes, we heard shouting, the type of shouting that isn't so friendly-like. It's uh, more like, where the heck are you going, shouting. We were being shouted at. We turned and startled at the crazed exclamations of our fearless leaders, whom we just recently left. Yes, yes indeed, we were being yelled at in a most enthusiastic manner. Our leader stormed up the trails towards us, whipped out a topographical map, and demanded, quite enthusiastically, where we thought we were going. With shock and chagrin, we stated our mission. We were going to traverse about 10 miles a day over rough and wild terrain to meet them at a predetermined rendezvous point several days later. Our leader, red-faced and sluttering, not-so-happy thoughts our way, demanded to see our intended path. Yeah, we confidently explained our well-planned way. He arrogantly turned the map around. Ah, yeah, we sheepishly acknowledged we'd had it wrong side up. Yes, yes, we were confidently striking out in the wrong direction, map held askew, compass rose, blissfully ignored. Our mistake righted. We headed out again. For six days, we hiked mountains, walked trails, baked bread over campfires, and learned to work as a team. Margaret, one of our pod mates, was born the daughter of a philandering abusive millionaire and she actually hated the out She was small and physically weak. She used a, a soft pack to our hard packs due to scoliosis and after just a few days on the trail, her back was redistributed so that she was only carrying about 20 pounds instead of the 60 that the rest of us had started with. The additional 40 pounds removed from her pack was redistributed amongst the rest of us so that we all added an additional 5-7 to pounds to alleviate the stress on her back. She was also hypoglycemic, so we couldn't trust her with the gingerbread mix that we carried because she'd binge on it and then later get sick. In our group, she was the slowest hiker, the weakest climber, and would have always been the one left behind. Despite the fact that she carried the smallest pack, we never let her go last. She seriously might have just sat down and quit, willing mountain lions to release her from the misery of a month in the wilderness. She was engaging, warm, and funny, but unless we managed it well, she was actually a real liability. Now, in this wilderness area, there were thousands of sheep. It was BLM-managed land, and ranchers could graze their sheep there for very little money. We had to be especially careful to treat all of our water, because drinking untreated water could result in Montezuma's revenge, given the number of animals that grazed near all the water sources. Unfortunately, Ralph got bad water, and he had diarrhea for days afterwards. Now, remember, we're in the wilderness. We're miles and miles from a trailhead that was also miles and miles from the nearest very small town. This is the age way before cell phones. Our basic medicine was inadequate. So he would spend about 20 to 30 minutes on the trail, run behind a rock, run to catch up with us again, leave the trail, run to catch up, run behind a rock. He was miserable. He was sick. He was a slow companion. Randy, Eric, and I were neither slow nor sick. So we all divided up the roles and responsibilities based on who was weak, who was sick, and who wasn't. As a group, we would check our maps each morning and plan our route, including rest stops, eating breaks, and where we'd camp each evening. Then Eric, Randy, or I would take the lead. One of us would take the middle to keep track of the lead and the caboose, and one of us would take the rear. The person in the back was responsible to keep Margaret going, keep an eye on Ralph and make sure he was always within sight of someone, as he was still stopping regularly in stomach with stomach cramps and t- diarrhea. The people in front would scout out good areas to stop for breaks, get a fire started in the evening for dinner and for warmth, and clear areas for tarps and sleeping bags. The person in the middle would keep people in sight, both in the front and behind. Also, we all kept Margaret going by encouraging her. At any given moment, we might be spread out over a half a mile or more along a light path, heading in the same direction, following our daily and weekly plan, believing that whomever was in front would lead us well and in the right direction and trusting those behind to keep walking and to catch up those in the back knew that when we stopped for the night there would be a warm fire waiting and dinner started those in the front knew that eventually all five of us would make it to the appointed stop for the night in the evenings depending on how tired we were we would talk talk about high school our thoughts about college politics interests beliefs we became a team and we did all get along really perfectly. Eric's know-it-all attitude and my more cavalier attitude grated, especially as we were equally competent in map reading and knocking Miles down fast. Margaret's slow pace and whining drove Rolf mad, but she was equally torqued at him for drinking untreated water and slowing us down even further, and for being sick and demanding. Randy had a mad crush on Eric, and her acquiescing to everything he said left us wondering if she had any thoughts of her own. One of the things that shocked me the most— was that in our group of five, only two of us had lived with both biological parents, and that was Ralph and I. Both of us were the most outspoken and opinionated about getting things done, the right way to do it, and the amount of time it should take to complete any given task. Maybe we were just the people with the strongest personalities, but we definitely understood what it was going to take to keep things going forward, and we spoke out loud about it in a way that the others didn't. Both Ralph and I grew up with both parents in families where both parents worked. Ralph did all the family shopping and cooking. My sisters and I did the family's cooking and cleaning too, which meant every Saturday our house was cleaned from top to bottom. Now, we had white carpeting on our main floor, were three teenagers in the house, and believe me, it was a beautiful snowy white carpet because while we cleaned it, it had to be up to my dad's standards. <laughs> our families had clear expectations of the teamwork involved in making busy households run smoothly. Both Ralph and I and our siblings were very involved in high school sports as well. Sports, music, volunteer work, that coupled with both parents working, and while it was never explicitly stated, everyone had to work together to keep things running, and it was just expected that it would happen and happen well. There was a delineation of the roles and responsibilities in our homes that we brought with us to our mountain backpacking adventure. Of course, for better or worse, we grew up in radically different households and had radically different communication styles. Now, because of Ross's need for frequent stops and the fact that we'd run into a late summer blizzard causing us to lose a half a day of hiking, we knew that we would be late to our rendezvous point. The deal was that we were to meet the rest of our larger team on Friday evening before sunset, which also happened to be my 18th birthday. If we didn't make it to the rendezvous point by dark, a search and rescue party would go out after us. Our leaders were trained Knowles certified, but even with that, it would be a dangerous venture for them. We hiked fast and furiously that day, taking few stops, spreading out even farther than ever before, ignoring Rolf's dictates to go ahead without him. In our haste, I slipped down a rocky path, ripping my only pair of pants down the length of my backside and spent the rest of the day with a brisk breeze cooling down my sweat-soaked hike. Dark hit, and we hadn't found our group yet. We set up a system where we would take turns shouting every few minutes so that we didn't miss our friends. Finally, after stumbling in the dark for what seemed like forever, each of us desperately hoping that we weren't off the trail or way off mark, we heard shouts in return and saw a blazing fire up ahead. Our friends, currently gearing up to start the search and rescue, rushed out to greet us, hugging us, laughing and crying with relief that we were okay. They helped us off with our packs, offered us food, which we were probably too tired to eat, and helped us set up to sleep. We unrolled our sleeping bags and lay down in exhaustion, the long day of hiking, worry, stress hitting hard in the dark. We hadn't set up our tarps, but just lay down in a row, grateful to be safe. The next morning, Paul, our leader, woke us up with a cheesecake, singing happy birthday to me, and we ate cheesecake for breakfast under the pines in the crisp, beautiful, high mountain air of the high Uintas. It was a birthday I will never forget. Even as I'm writing this, decades later, I remember that the day was Friday. And I looked it up, and I was in fact correct. Our small team held together, and the larger team was on the lookout for us, ready to rescue us if needed. They had not only the basics waiting for us, but had pre-planned a celebration that we all enjoyed, albeit slightly later than planned. Now as we were backpacking, meals were interesting. We packed in enough food for two weeks, all dried vegetarian-based food, no prepackaged freeze-dried anything. I'd been a bread baker in high school. I also threw pottery, so bread baking was a natural extension of that art. And so I often crafted artesian bread for our little crew and baked it in the coals of the fire. Rolf was the fireman and created fires that were warm or hot for light or heat or baking, depending on the need. Mid-month, we had a big old-fashioned rendezvous with the other units and got resupplied and had a huge potluck. Our little pod provided loaves of warm campfire-baked yeast bread, a crazy, awe-inspiring treat in the wilderness, and yet so very simple. Knowledge can bring comfort to one's soul as well as one's tummy, even in the most primitive circumstances. Meanwhile, Randy would create soufflés with our dried eggs and vegetables. We did have cheese, but it was a non-dyed cheddar, and after several days, the lack of color and the unfamiliar smell forced Rolf to bury the rest of it. There are some things left to modern improvement. Our leader, Paul, was an amazing naturalist and hiker. He could identify trees, flowers, birds, was fearless on trails, and could out-hike us all he was Noel's certified, which is no small thing. But at one point on the trip, he got altitude sickness. Altitude sickness is when the barometric pressure changes due to high altitude and it can cause headaches, vomiting, tiredness, and dizziness, water on the lungs, and even water on the brain. It is not to be taken lightly. At one point, Paul had slipped into a fitful sleep and Jan, our second in command, was seriously considering packing him out. As a team, we were determining who was the fastest, strongest hikers, who could carry a man between them while still managing the crazy terrain. Luckily, he regained enough of, he regained enough of the strength to leave the area we were in and get to a lower elevation where his body was able to self-regulate. He was an integral part of our team. He was the leader, and we were in watching out for him. That's what a team does. We have clearly defined roles and responsibilities. But we're able to be flexible, to improvise, adapt, and overcome as needed. Thanks for indulging my jaunt down memory lane. I love the month I spent in the Hyuntas. It was fun to share such a great time with all of you. But I want to clearly bring this back to the soft skill of teamwork. Again, teamwork is the combined action of a group of people, especially when effective and efficient. In our little pod in the Hyuntas, we had leaders, organizers, fast hikers and slow Those with disabilities and illness, those who had a clear plan and sense of purpose, and those who didn't even want to be there. For one brief month, we were, for better or worse, much like a family. And in order to survive in the wilderness, we had to form a team that would keep everyone going on the same path and end up together. Sometimes the division of labor was easy to see and carry out, but other times it wasn't so clear. We knew that when Rolf was ill and Margaret was weak, the division of labor and roles became quickly clear. When all of us was functioning at what looked like normal, the roles and responsibilities weren't quite as clear. We had to negotiate more. We had to communicate more effectively and with intention. Teamwork allowed all of us to end our month in the high you went to strong. We all finished and we all finished well, regardless of how fast we completed the task. Again, effective teamwork includes determining roles, determining responsibilities, having a clear task, vision and mission, understanding the goals needed to complete the mission, and the fact that communication is open and honest. Disagreements are respected and feelings are treated as what they are, feelings. Now, of course, the mission of the high UNTIS was clear, get out alive. And maybe that's your main goal for homeschooling right now. Get out of this year alive. Some years that's saying a lot. Teamwork also allows for synergy, meaning you're definitely able to accomplish more together than you would have ever been able to accomplish as an individual. The very fact that Margaret didn't quit the journey, despite her obvious lack of ability for the trek, speaks to her as well as to our group. We all persevered, and as a result, she did something she never thought herself capable of doing. I propose that your kids need to learn teamwork now like never before. And by this, I don't mean cheesy group projects that rely on one person to do the bulk of the work. I mean actual teamwork that demands everyone show up with whatever they have, even if it's not what's expected, like Margaret, or you'll all get sideswiped like Rolf did by illness. In what shape is your my team? Do you happen to have a weak or injured party? Are you all strong? What's your mission? What goals do you need to crush to attain your mission? And how will you celebrate once you've gotten to where you need to go? As homeschoolers, we often think we have to go it alone, but as a longtime homeschooler, I've realized the necessity of outsourcing and that's why I'm super excited about the classes and clubs that we offer at True North Homeschool Academy. Our teachers are passionate educators who are experts in their subject matter. They understand how to create dynamic interactive classes where the kids are challenged and expected to perform. Kids are making friends around the country. We are creating a place that fosters real experiences and real relationships much like what happened in the High Uintas. While I lost track of Rolf, Randy, and Eric Margaret and I remained lifelong friends, celebrating with each other as we responded to the call of Christ in our lives, getting married, married children, and even homeschooling. Sadly, she passed away a few years ago, but I know that one day I'll meet her again. She was part of my life team till the end of hers, and for that, I'm very grateful. With that, dear friends, I hope that this has inspired you to think about the long, arduous hikes and journeys that you are currently on, how you will support the weak and sick among you care for your leaders, and reach the destination with a sense of deep accomplishment, celebration, and purpose. This is Lisa Neering with Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. Thanks for joining in.